But today what we're going to talk about is what are you thinking? The title is going to be Think Again. See, your first thought is not always your best thought. It's not. Because a lot of times we respond out of our emotions and we're not responding rationally. So before you respond, take a moment to think about it. And you might find out if you take a moment, you might not think about what you were thinking about and do what you were going to do. You'll change. You ever, you ever wrote something that I'm going to write, you know, and you wrote it, and it's like, uh, and you changed it. How many times have you changed it? You like changed it a hundred times before. And then at the end of the day, you just decided, well, I'm not even going to write it. That's because you thought about it. You thought again. You pondered it. You start realizing you're writing out of your emotion. Romans 12, 12 says, rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. So when trouble comes, when everything, all the craziness is all around you, be patient in your response. It's in those crazy moments that our thoughts will do us damage. And really, it, it, it only takes about three seconds, because your mind is faster than a computer, actually. It only takes about three seconds to process a whole lot of stuff. So you don't have to count to ten. Just think of this, 1,001, 1,002, 1,003, respond. <laughs> if you think before you open your mouth, you, you might be all right. James 1.19 says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you uh, must all be quick to listen, slow to, and slow to get angry. Yeah, yeah, that's actually in the Bible. It wasn't just something your teacher taught you at school. It's in the B-I-B-L-E. See, this is all talking about having a second thought, thinking again, giving yourself a few seconds to respond so you don't respond by impulse. So before you, you respond in all this craziness, this is what you need to ask yourself. You need to ask yourself, are my thoughts in alignment with Philippians 4.8? What? Well, let, let's read it. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true. So it says fix your thoughts. It didn't say God will put these thoughts. You fix your thoughts on this. Whatever is uh, true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable, think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Make sure it's true before you act. Just because your spouse says it's true doesn't make it true. I'm, I'm serious. Because your spouse might have perceived it a certain way, but it wasn't truly the way that, it was, that the person was giving it. So just because they said it doesn't make it true. So don't just go punch somebody in the nose. Think about it. Think about the character of the person. I have people accusing me and blaming me all the time, and they never really ask me what I meant. And, and, and this is my bad, and Leah jumps on me all the time. She goes, I know exactly what you're thinking. She goes, they don't. She goes, because we've had these conversations, and so I know where you're coming from, and you get way ahead of yourself. So just because you think that that was what was said, it might not have been what was actually said or meant. Hmm. Selah. Number two, 
Think, think this stuff in this three seconds. Are my thoughts mirroring the character and the culture of the world or the word? See, so many times we feel justified because somebody cut us off. The only justification or the only justified I've ever seen was, was Ray Lee. Justified. So I love that show. It's probably a horrible show, but it was good. <laughs> U.S. Marshal, you know, I mean, he's, he's bad to the bone, dude, you know. Almost like John Wayne, I thought. Modern day. But anyway, you know, think about this stuff. Are we mirroring the world or the word? And if you're mirroring the world, you got to get, you got to get the hell out and make it all word. Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by, the changing, uh, by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And this is the deal. You're not going to sit at home watching television and getting your mind changed by God. You're going to have to get into the Word of God and allow the Word of God to be the changing agent on the inside of you. When you allow the Word of God to come in, and this is why I always say, read your Bibles, read your Bibles, read your Bibles, read your Bibles. There are so many people, preachers included, that don't read their Bibles. How do you know? Because I talk to them. You know, I, and it's funny because I, a lady questioned me, I did a wedding this fr last Friday, and a lady questioned me at the reception at the General Morgan, she said, what, what do you mean by you people in the South? I said, I'm sorry. I said, I shouldn't have said that, but I learned this in the South, that there's a lot of preachers included in the South that think submission means obey. You're married to me, you've got to obey me now. I said, and that's absolutely not true. The verse before says, submit one to another. Then it says, uh, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as unto the Lord. But when you get down to verse 33, he said, I say again, so he's something that he's already said, I say again, husbands love your wives. So you know what topic he's talking about. And wives, respect your husbands. So all submission means is to respect. Because a man needs to be respected and a woman needs to be loved. And if you love a woman like Christ loves the church, you're going to have a woman that wants to respect you like none other. And if you respect your man like he's supposed to be, you're going to have a man who's going to love you like no other. Because you, try, you disrespect a man, and I'm telling you, we, we shut down. Well, Jeremy's like, yeah, you, you, Jessica and I got into it this morning. No, they didn't. They didn't. I, oh, she's like, oh yeah, we did. So, but, but see, that's the thing is, is I have people that I know that are good people. They love God, but, but scripture's been twisted. And when you twist scripture and you go it again, it's, it's like the news, I could, if I keep saying it again and again, eventually you're going to believe me, even if it's not true. And that's why we have so much division in church, 
is because pastors, I'll say this, pastors are not brave enough to read the Bible and, and allow the Holy Spirit to tweak them in their, if they're incorrect because, oh, I can't, be a, I, I, I can't change that. That's, that's doctrine. That's a doctrine of man. Because the doctrine of the Word is clear. And when we get into the Word, oh my gosh, I mean, it, it changes us. Like I said, it's the changing agent. When we get into the perfect law of liberty, the Word of God, it starts changing us from the inside out, and we become different people. And that's what we're supposed to be. So the Word of God is either going to form a brand new belief on the inside of you, or it's going to strengthen a belief that you already have that's going to govern your life in what you think, in what you say, and what you do. That's what the Word of God is supposed to do. That's a changing agent. It's supposed to change what you think, what you say, and what you do from the inside, from at a heart level, not an intellectual level because, you know, now I'm not going to say I haven't went to school. I've been to school, been to three Bible colleges. And, and really, to be honest with you, I, I do have, a, I have an education, but it's not the education that changed me. It's not the intellect of studying the Bible in the intellectual form that changed me. It's, it's finding Jesus in the Bible and creating a relationship with Jesus of the Bible that has changed my life at a heart level. And then when you change your life at a heart level, you become a different person. Hmm. Shout me down. I'm preaching good. Number three, what's the best response? The best response isn't, blah, blah, blah. you know those words. <laughs> I'm talking about tongues of men that just don't sound too good. <clears throat> See, in those seconds that it takes to respond, think about what's the best way to respond. Ephesians 4.2 says, always be humble and gentle. Okay, let me ask you a question. How many humble people do I have in here? Raise your hand. It's okay. You can raise your hand if you're humble. I'm going to raise my hand, and I'm going to tell you why. Well, first, let me ask you a question. How many of you are wearing clothes? Raise your hand. Okay, so you had no problem raising your hand. But because of false teaching, you wouldn't raise your hand on being humble because you were told that if you say you're humble, you're really in pride. But the Bible says to humble yourself. So how can you humble yourself if you don't put it on? So you should know that you're humble. So then my question is, what is humility? Now that's a better question. I'm going my way. I'm going this way right there. And I'm making that decision. But God said, no, I want you to go that way. Humility is not doing it my way and going my way. Humility is listening to the voice of another and going their way. So I know if I'm going God's way or not. That's all humility is. See, I was taught that same thing. If you say you're humble, you're in pride. But I'll tell you when I'm not humble. Well, I don't have to tell you. You'll know. Because I'll act like the world. <laughs> But when I'm acting like the word, when I'm demonstrating love, when I'm demonstrating mercy and compassion and the things of the Bible, I'm walking in humility because I'm not walking the way, I, because trust me, I want to slap you across the head like everybody else does. But in my humility, I love God and because I love God so much, he's changed my heart towards people. Anyway, none of that was in my notes. This is all really good stuff. Especially if I was up at 2.30 this morning. 
<clears throat> so, always be humble, gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. So that's why we're supposed to do it. We know they're going to have faults. We know they're going to mess up. Trust me, if you tell me that you and your spouse or your friend, that you guys don't disagree, you don't know them. The moment you find somebody you never disagree, marry them. You're going to find out how much you, do, you disagree. You will. It's the truth. Now, you'll tell everybody, oh, no, we never fight. We never, liar, liar, pants on fire. You might not get out there and, and duke it out, but, but you know you're having some disagreements. If you tell me you don't, the truth is not in you, and I'll be praying for you. See, what was that, Ben? Just say yes, dear. Well, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay off that. So am I thinking best about the person in the situation, or, or, or should, should I say something, or should I just let it go? See, sometimes it's best just to not say anything at all. I've had people say, well, Rick, why, why, why don't you say something? It's best that I don't. I remember one time, and this was a really bad situation, and, and I'm not going to tell you exactly what it was about, but uh, I had one of my children one time come up to me and, and really want me to say something. They said, and, they used, and this is what they said to try to get me to say something. They said, what if something happens to us and, and, and you don't get a chance to say it? I said, honey, you don't want me to say anything right now, trust me. Because if something did happen, I probably wouldn't have said the right thing right then because I was in my feelings. So sometimes it's best just not to say anything at all. Sometimes it's best just to let it go. Hmm. Proverbs 4.29, it says, People with understanding do what? Control their anger. A hot-tempered person uh, shows great foolishness. So what I want to do is I want to talk about five specific areas you might want to really think about and think again. Okay? Number one, think again when given, not giving, when given advice. See, most people are real prideful in this area, especially us guys. You can't tell. I'm not pulling over to ask directions. I know where I'm going. <laughs> that 30-minute that drive took an hour. Anyway. See, what happens is we tend to say stuff like, I don't, and we might not say it out loud, I don't need your help. I can do this on my own, and you're not my mom. <laughs> so Proverbs twelve fifteen answers that question for us. Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. Wow. See, when I think of this verse right here, it reminds me of going to the grocery store and being hungry. See, I've been told all my life, don't go grocery shopping when you're hungry. But I never listen to that advice. I know better. But I get so much stuff that I don't need because I'm hungry. And then realize I missed half the stuff Leah told me to get. I, listen, it, it, it wasn't the Twinkies' fault. It was mine, and I don't even like Twinkies, but when I'm hungry, they look good. I don't even think they sell them anymore. They do? Okay, because I heard they went out of... See, I, I'm not allowed down that aisle. Yeah. Yeah. 
They, they did come back. So, Leah won't let me down that aisle. <laughs> you know, I'll go, I'll look at some cookies or something. No, no, we don't need that. We don't need that. So I like to go shopping alone. But anyway, so it reminds me, <laughs> it reminds me of, of I, I've been given good advice, but I just didn't take it, you know? So, like I said, I can't blame the Twinkies. I have to think again. And I'm not talking about shopping hungry. What I'm talking about is pay attention to the advice that's given to you and don't be too prideful not to listen. Amen. That's really what I'm trying to get at. So in Proverbs eleven fourteen, it says, without wise leadership, a nation falls. There is safety in many are having many advisors. I like a couple other versions of this. The Message Bible, and it's, it, it, people say it's a paraphrase. It's not really a paraphrase. There's three different types of translations. There is one translation that's a literal translation, and those translations would be like your King James, uh, your uh, American Standard, and stuff like that. And those are literal Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic translations. Then you have what's called a story type translation. Those are like your NIVs and stuff like that. Different type of translation, and that's still Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. But then you have what's called an English translation. Now, an English translation is somebody trying to explain from the English to the English. So they, didn't, they don't really go into the Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. So it is a type of translation. It's not really a paraphrase, okay? So now you all have all that down. You can correct somebody later at lunch or you can write me a nasty note. But without good direction, people lose their way. The more wise counsel you follow, the better your chances. Now that sounds pretty good. But I love the Amplified. And the Amplified is actually a translation of Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic. Where there is no wise, intelligent guidance, the people fall and go off course like a ship without a helm. But in the abundance of wise and godly counselors, there is victory. See, I've seen so many people fail over the years because they didn't listen to wise, godly voices. They did it themselves. I find the people who are sm I find people to get around me who are, who are wiser and smarter than me in areas where I am weak, but also in areas where I'm strong. Why in, the, in your strengths? Because I want to get stronger in my strengths as well. So I want to find people who are wiser than me in those areas. And, and what I do is I, I surround myself. In 2 Kings chapter 5, I didn't, we don't have that scripture, but uh, Naaman, he was a commander of the Syrian army and he was under King Aram. And he had contracted leprosy. And at that time there was no type of cure or anything for, for that disease. And leprosy is where parts of your body start rotting off and, and eventually that you die is what happens. But one of the women that worked in Naaman's house, uh, she had heard that there was a, a prophet of God who was healing people, and that would have been Elijah. So Naaman goes to the king, and he tells the king about what's going on, and so the king and all he wanted was a letter introducing him. And so, but not only did he get a letter, he got a, uh, 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10, set, 10 sets of clothing to give to Elisha. So Naaman and his, and his buddies, they head down the road and they go over to Elisha's house and his servant was out there. And when his servant was out there, uh, he's, he's like, hey, what do y'all want or everything? And they, well, we want to talk to the prophet, you know, this is going on, da, 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 da. So he goes, I'll be right back. So he goes back, he goes into the house, talk to Elisha. He, he comes out, he goes, uh, yeah. 
He's not going to see y'all today. But Naaman, he told me to tell you this. You need to go down to the river over here and dip yourself seven times. Oh, I'm telling you, he was mad. I mean, he was really mad. Because see, when you take a look at the river that he was going into, it was dirty. It was the dirtiest river out there. And he was thinking in his head, listen, there's cleaner rivers out there. And, and you're disrespectful. I mean, he was, he was getting all up into his feelings, right? And so he's thinking, so you want me to go dip in the, leave, leave all this stuff on your porch while you have me go dip in this river. And, you know, I'm thinking this, this big warrior guy, right? You know, I'm, he's, he's getting mad, so he's offended at this. I mean, he's mad, right? So I'm thinking he, he walks away in a rage. And this is what one of the, one of the guys said to him. He, asked, he said, hey, look, if, if he would have asked you to do something great, would you have done that? Well, yeah, of course, because it looked good because I did something great. I'd look cool, right? Well, he goes, to, he went, goes ahead and he goes to the river. And now he dips himself seven times. And, you know, this is what I'm thinking, because if you know anything about this river, I mean, it was real dirty. It's, it's where the waste went. So this is, in my mind, this is what I'm thinking. He dips once, a little toilet paper comes on his ear, you know. <laughs> that, that's the type of river he had to dip into. And so he probably did one a little time. He's looking at his men. Really? I'll tell you what, after I dip seven times, I'm going back. I'm going to slice that guy's throat. I mean, I, you know, I don't really know what was going on in his mind, but I know what would be going on in my mind if I was doing it. The guy's laughing at me. So he goes again, and he goes again. And then all of a sudden, at the seventh time, he was healed. And all because he listened to wise counsel. Just because it doesn't seem wise to you, anything from God is wise. Okay. Number two. Think again when facing challenges. You know what the first thought that people have when they get challenged? They get overwhelmed. Oh, woe is me. Oh my goodness, I can't believe this is happening to me. Instead of being afraid, instead of backing up, first of all, understand what a challenge is. Challenge defined. It's a call to engage in a contest, a fight or competition, especially a duel. Now, now us men, if we knew that was the case, I mean, because we're all UFC type guys deep down. Right? You know, right? So think of it this way. The problem, when, when a problem or trouble comes, it's calling you out. Hey, big boy, how big is your faith? That's what the problem's saying. So we don't need to run in fear, we need to respond in faith. We need to fight the good fight of faith, not the good fight of fear. See, because we are not the defeated, we are the victorious. In Christ Jesus, we already have victory. If God is for you, who could be against you? That's what the Bible says. So God is on your side. It doesn't mean that you're not going to go through some stuff. You will go through some stuff. That's the truth because we are in this world. But we're not of this world. So we don't have to take on the fear in this world. We can take on the faith of the word. And we can allow Christ Jesus to be strong in us. 
Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. What happened to those scriptures? You start stirring that up. No matter what the situation looks like, you are an overcomer in this life because he has overcome the world. Number three, think again when in a conflict. See, most times in conflict, people respond in anger, right? We usually say things and do things we shouldn't say and do. I had somebody talk to me the other day about spanking a child. I said, absolutely not. And they kind of looked at me funny. I said, but you're mad. I'm not against spanking a child. I'm against you spanking them while you're mad. Because you'll take it too far. Well, it didn't hurt me. I was spanked when they were... They did it wrong too. Listen. If your dad got convicted for being an axe murderer, are you going to follow suit? Well, he did it. Didn't make it right. <laughs> anyway. Proverbs 29:11, fools vent their anger, but the wise quickly hold it back. Quickly. Did you see that quickly? Hold it back. Proverbs 15, 18. A hot-tempered person starts fights. A cool-tempered person stops them. What did that scripture say? It said, look before you leap. Think twice. Think about it again. Don't just jump into it. See, adults who fly off the handle are people who are acting childish, and they just need to grow up. See, all they do is make bad excuses for their bad behavior. I would rather deal with an out-of-control child than an out-of-control adult because the child I can teach. The adult's in pride and they're not going to listen. And they're going to be mad when I try to tell them they're wrong. And to be honest with you, I do. If you... If you ever come up to me and we're that close and say, hey, pastor, let me know uh, if, if I'm out of line or out, trust me. If I haven't told you, you're okay. I do not have a problem confronting situations. Do I like to? No. But it's part of what I do. How can, how can I teach you if I can't speak into your life? Amen. Just saying. See, most people believe it's the other person's fault. <clears throat> How do I know? Well, 27 years of pastoring, okay? I've counseled a few people in marriage counseling, right? And usually, the people want to go to counseling thinking, I'm going to fix the other person. Duh. <laughs> so when it doesn't go their way, it's either because I've stepped on their toes and so they didn't agree with my assessment of somebody on the outside looking in. And really, I'm not on your side and I'm not on their side. I'm on God's side. So I'm looking at it through the eyes of the Word of God and not through the eyes of human logic and reasoning. Amen. So because they refuse to, or refuse to believe the problem or they're part of the problem, they quit. Or it's because they don't ever do what I tell them to do and then they want to come back to me with the same problem. And I'm thinking, how stupid can you be and still breathe? I mean, you know, because I've asked them to do something, right? 
And I said, if you do this, why? and I'm not telling you to do something that's not scriptural. I'm going to take it from the Bible. So if it doesn't work, blame God, not me. So if it doesn't work, it's because you didn't do what God asked you to do in his word. That's really what it is. Well, I got, boy, I got awfully quiet in this Presbyterian church. So what we need to do is we need to focus on what's wrong and not who's wrong. And not focus on the problem like, oh, but focus on the problem so we can handle it. We can deal with it. Don't play the blame game. Take responsibility for your own actions and fix it. Ephesians 4, 31, 32, it says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Then it says, instead, so this is, t- this is the answer to the problem, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as, everybody say just as. Yes. Just as God through Christ has forgiven. You're supposed to forgive exactly like God forgives. If you couldn't do it, he wouldn't put it in there. Well, how, how, I can't do it. You're right, you can't in your own strength and ability, but you can in his. By the grace of God, which is his ability working in you, by his grace working in you, you can do this. You can do all things through Christ Jesus. It's a mandate. Jesus said it this way in Luke uh, 27 through 28. It says, but to you who are willing to listen, in other words, you've got to listen first, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who hurt you. What? But you don't know what they did to me. Okay. I'll let you think about that for a while. Because we're all innocent, right? Just saying, you need to think again before you make a response. When somebody does it, you don't, well, you don't know what's going on in their life. I mean, just think when Jesus was on the cross, spitting on him, cussing at him, throwing stones, just all kinds of stuff at him, right? And he just looks up to heaven. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And that's what's going on. Whoever has been so mean and such a whatever to you, they really don't know what they're doing. They're acting like the world. So we're to forgive like Jesus and act like the word and say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Father, bless them. Open up the eyes of their understanding. Fill them with wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Let them know the love of God that passes all understanding. Father, send laborers across their path to teach them. I guarantee you, when you start praying that way, not only are you sicking the Holy Spirit on them, but you're sowing seeds for people to do the same to you. God's not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he reap. Those people who show hate and anger and all that, they reap that. Those people who show love, kindness, tender. I don't know anybody who doesn't like Jackie. He's probably one of the kindest people I've met, him and his wife, Teresa. You know? I, I, I have yet to find the person. It doesn't mean they're not out there. 
It just means he's been so kind to everybody that that's the main reward he gets is kindness back to him. Just saying. Think again. Number four, think again when God speaks. Oh, this is a good one. See, usually when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> Listen, that's not God. That's wrong. See, and God, God might be saying, I want you to start a small group. Oh, no, that's not God. I'll attend a small group, but I, I ain't start. That is not God. Or maybe he wants you to work with children, youth, or young adults. Oh, absolutely not. I'll pray for them. I'll financially support them. I ain't working. That's not God. Right? See, God's trying to get your attention, and you're thinking, you know what? That's just not me. You're right. It's not you when you're thinking like the world. But when you're thinking like the word... All through the Bible, God used people who were too young, too old, not educated enough, over-educated in theology like the Paul the Apostle, guys who couldn't talk like Moses, guys uh, who, could, who talked too much, guys with much love, guys with little love, guys who cut people's ears off. That's the type of people God uses. I used to tell people this, speaking about Jonah, if God can use fish vomit, he can use you. Hmm. That was the title of a sermon. <laughs> anyway, so God used everybody for his plan, his purposes. He uses their weaknesses because it showed God's strength. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do. And he will show you which path to take. Let's say the Lord gives you a task. Whether it's to give financially, whether it's to be kind to someone who's hateful, whether it's to clean a restaurant Sunday uh, after, after Sunday night, after you go, we're hanging out with some good godly people and you, you eat at this restaurant and you help clean the whole restaurant. Where'd you get that from? We did that. We did that several times. We went to Mazio's Pizza in Warren, Arkansas. And I saw the worst thing I, I could ever imagine. I saw another church at Mazio's restaurant and I realized why they hated church people to congregate after their evening service or their Sunday service. The rudest, dirtiest. And the pastor was right there. I knew the pastor well. I said, hey guys, I was with my church. I said, why don't we do this? We'll stay here, and we're going to clean this restaurant. They said, all right. So I had a group of people from my church, and we all kind of hung out, and we just cleaned the restaurant. We cleaned the toilets. We cleaned everything. We went back, and they let us back in the kitchen. And uh, they were talking to us about church people. They didn't even know we were church people. We didn't tell them. And they were talking to us to tell us how bad church people were and why they didn't, what, you know, and this happens all the time. And that, that's when I found out a waitress there made $2.17 an hour. And they had to rely on their tips. So about the third week we did this, Tamara Johnson comes up to me and she said, hey, pastor, then they realized we were a church. <laughs> the manager goes, it was a female, she goes, I am so sorry. I, I said, no, you're fine. I think the same way about church people. <laughs> and she just kind of... I said, I'm not a church person, I'm a believer. I, I, I said, I am the church. 
because he lives on the, the building is not the church. And just because somebody shows up the building doesn't make them a believer. Just because I slept in the garage last night doesn't make me a car. It just means I slept in the garage. It just means I came into a building. But the moment I become a believer, I change from the inside out. And I start becoming a different person. You know, maybe God says, hey, I want you to give that person 100, but that's not God. Why not 10? Mm. Boy, it's quiet. You know, every time I say something about money, especially, it gets quiet. I mean, it's, it's wild. You know, but the thing of it is, is God might be trying to teach you or tell you something. So, so don't just say, no, it's not God. Rethink what you hear. Because I'll be honest with you, there's been times where I've, I thought, man, you know, I want to go do this after church. And then it just was impressed in my heart to give somebody some money. And then I wouldn't have, a couple times, there was some times I didn't go certain places because I didn't have a tip. I won't go to Sonic in that drive through thing if I don't have a tip. Because I'm a believer and I want to sow seed into their life. And I want to be able to speak to them. But see, if I don't, I won't go. I'll go to the store, get a sandwich or something. But I just don't, I just don't do that. That's me. Don't, you know, don't, don't throw stones at me. We're going to close right here in number five. I told you it'd be short. Think again when confronted by fear. See, our, our first response when confronted by fear is to run. That's our first response. But see, fear magnifies the problem. Faith magnifies our God who's the answer. So respond in faith. Whatever we magnify is going to be the king. If we magnify fear, then, then fear is going to rule our life. And we won't trust God to handle the problem. But I'm gonna, I wrote down why I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid because my God is my healer. My God is my savior. My God is my provider. My God is my refuge. My God is my fortress. My God is my high tower. My God is my strength. My God will never leave me or forsake me. My God is more than enough. My God leads me to green pastures. My God comforts me. My God lives on the inside of me. And greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. So when fear pops up, think again. Because when you know who your God is, and you know who you are in relationship to him. There's nothing we need to fear. I don't fear Russia. I don't fear China. I don't fear them trying to make this a communist country or social. I will fight. It's not I won't. But I'm going to listen. I'm going to think. I'm going to ask God. Now, if God tells me not to fight, I won't. But it's got to be God. Because he might do that. This is the thing about God. If you read the stories in the Bible, you can be on a beach somewhere, right? And now this isn't a story from the Bible. This is what I've gotten from like reading Samson and stuff like that, right? So, so you're on a beach somewhere. And you see all these ships coming in. Man, they got Taliban all in them. And they're coming after you because you're the Christian. 
and you see that M60 machine gun and these hand grenades and all that stuff, and, and you go, man, I'm just going, uh. Then you look over there and God said, no, I want you to use that number two pencil. Number two pencil? I mean, there's a machine gun right here. What am I going to do with a number two pencil? What did Sam have to do with the jawbone? A thousand Philistines. One man. What did David do with Goliath? I mean, if you really know the story, I mean, it, it, it's such a beautiful picture of God. See, David, David, he was offered an armor from the king. And he refused the king's armor. He said, it's not, it's not been tested. But can you imagine the king? The king's up there, and he's seeing this young boy playing in the water. That's going to be our hero. But see, David, he was looking for some smooth rocks. And he gets these smooth rocks, and he already, he was listening to God, and God was telling him what to do, and he was going step by step by step. So he puts these smooth rocks into this pouch. Now, he was probably scared that, you know, God's a pretty big boy. I mean, you know, David was like Tattoo, and, and Goliath was like Andre the Giant, you know. Tattoo, Fantasy Island, it's an old show. You have to, you know, he, he's a real short guy, you know. I, know. I know if you're not close to 55, you might not know what that show is. Um, I said close to 55. I didn't say anything. So... So you got to figure he probably had a lot of fear, but, but he heard Goliath speak about his God. And once he heard him speak about his God, something rose up on the inside of him. He said, hey, that ain't going to happen. As a matter of fact, you're going down, sucker. And so he took that stone, he put it in that thing, and he... He released it. Jeremy, do this. He hit him right there. <laughs> Killed him. Now, this is the amazing part about the story. He didn't use something he didn't know. He used something he did know. So he went into the water. The wa we call it the water of the word. And then he got some smooth stones, not rough stones. That's like getting some scriptures you've gone over and over and over and they've smoothed out on the inside of your heart and you really know what these scriptures mean. He put them in the pouch and that pouch, is, it's called a heart. So he put those smooth scriptures in the heart. And then he got them in his mouth and spoke the word. And God directed the word and took down the giant. Anytime trouble comes, go to the word in your heart. Speak the word and allow God to direct that word to that problem. Did we get anything today? All right, you can give that up to God.